How do we feel being attached to something which is always present? How uncomfortable have we been for the last three minutes? How quick did the mind jump into a few minutes of stillness and try to figure out what was wrong with the speaker? <clears throat> I knew we'd get him by the weekend. He froze. <clears throat> How much dialogue in that two or three minutes started up again? After we just talked about the noise in the head. And it's a good thing if you did hear the noise because you got to see it. You got to feel it, you got to hear it about, oh my God, I am really noisy. <laughs> and some of us, little by slow, we watch eyes close and just, we're, we're just here. And waiting to be led as to how this was going to unfold without questioning it. And if I've gotten a little, if I've become a little uncomfortable in two or three minutes of stillness that was forced upon you, why? Sizing up, critiquing, judging, figuring out, try to interpret the moment rather than just be a part of the moment, which is what the mind loves to do. We treat life like it's strategy for a ball game. Bottom of the night, two out, man on first. Okay, what do I do? Bunt, swing away, take a pitch. What do I do? This is how we approach life. <clears throat> Rather than just let it happen. So how quiet are we throughout our day? Thank you. Forgot the mic. I can't. Can't see a thing. Young fella, someday. 
usually around 40, you can't see anymore, okay? Um, my practice in Step 11 has evolved. It has com changed completely from when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous, where there was a woman outside of AA who belonged to an ashram, and she was a member of uh, my uh, uh, ex-wife's family. And uh, she was very much into meditation and worship and things like that. And there were a few men in AA who had practiced uh, uh, meditation, and a lot more who didn't. And my sponsor at the time did some meditation, uh, but not to the point where it's brought me now. And she knew I was an Alcoholics Anonymous, and she said, I know you guys meditate. Let me teach you. And at the beginning, when I started to meditate, she put me on a two-minute timer, two minutes. And it felt like eternity sitting in meditation for two minutes. And I realized how much noise I had in my head. I would hear the fire trucks go down the block or the dog barking and things I had to do and places I had to be. And it went on and on and on. And when is this thing going to end? And I can't breathe right. And I'm uncomfortable. And it was like going to the gym for the first time in 20 years. Why am I doing this for? But we have to build up those muscles. We have to get spiritual strength in that area. So no expectations, just chop wood, carry water. And I did two minutes for about a week, and then three minutes, and then five minutes, and then seven minutes, and eight minutes. And some point, I didn't need a timer, but I was in. And it's a rhythm. I always use the word rhythm to this whole deal. And when we start meditating, every book I've studied... But posture and breath, posture and breath, posture and breath. How am I doing? I can't meditate with my legs crossed. Can't meditate with, you know, boots on and all, or women high heels. And you, you need to be in loose clothes, really more comfortable. And create a space and give it, give it its dignity. My prayer place, my place of meditation, a spot in the house or my apartment, little spot. Whether I sit on a chair or I have a certain posture on a meditation mat. But give it its dignity. Give attention to this power. And learn to be with the sacred silence, which is where we come from and where we will return to one day. But somehow when we're on this path, we get really busy, busy with life, busy with things, being busy with stuff, and the mind gets busier. And we wonder why when you see a drunk, say, how are you doing? I'm tired. Yeah, because I'm solving the planet, the planet's problems all day long. I got stuff going on. Only up now I have future stuff I got to worry about. I got things in the past I still have to resolve, and I got this. And I, Oh, by the way, I'm going to be spiritual somewhere. It's bizarre what we do to ourselves. But if I'm clear, I can hear all this stuff. I can hear God. I can rely on intuitiveness. That we developed this vital sixth sense. Just talked about this uh, the other night. It says we developed this vital sixth sense right around now. And my question has always been this. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it's certainly worth a consideration, some thought. It says we developed this vital sixth sense. Develop, which means it's been there, but we've developed it to get it better. We're born with five senses. Where did the sixth sense come from? Where, where did it show up? Is it possible that it's always been there, but it's so uh, not tangible that most folks don't even know you have it? You can't put it on a, on a spread. You can't see it because it's intuitiveness. It's God. It's somewhere. And we tap into that. And that, that sixth sense is that, that vital piece that we all get, that we all need. And that's that intuitive thinking, that just movement, that rhythm. Be still. Speak. Go. Stay. Up. 
down, left, right. On a diet, rolling down the aisle with my cot, and I'm really conscious of what I'm eating, and I see Snickers bars, and something says, you're on a diet, don't eat them. Okay, good, keep moving. I, but, but, you know, you, but you go back and forth. But the intuitive voice is health. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Because sometimes we think this intuitive thoughts is going to be, this is God, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Why is it always a low voice, by the way? You know? Like, God sounds like, like Barry White sometimes. This is me. Uh, uh, uh. My, my God sometimes says, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know? uh, <clears throat> but sometimes we're waiting for this moment of God spoke to me. And, and sure he does. And I'm sure he has a, a sound to it. But God speaks our language. God will speak to me in something I can understand. It's English. But God speaks to children in foreign countries. Speaks that language too. And when you get to hear it, it is a word, but it's, it's kind of like we interpret it in our language. And anyone's been there know what I'm talking about. It's a movement. You're getting fed, and you, you hear it in your language. <coughs> But sometimes we think God's going to be this big booming voice and the seas are going to part and I'm going to lead them out of the desert. And sometimes it's just, don't buy the Snickers bar, you're on a diet. Don't run the red light, it's illegal. And we get to adopt that way, that becomes part of who we be. And I, I love this scenario. It's, I come up to a red light, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. It's a cold, rainy night. I've worked all day, came to a meeting, went out to friends. I need to get home. I'm exhausted. I'm standing at a red light, and my house is right across the street. I just want to go through the light, get in the house, take a shower, get into bed. I'm, you know, when you, you ever get that way, you just, I got to get home. I'm so tired. And you're at this light, and it happens to be one of those long lights. Okay. And you look left, and you look right for the cops. I could take this. No one's around. There is no one. It's a cold, rainy winter. No, no, there's no cops. And you debate. They say they're probably behind the signpost. There, forget it. I'll just wait. And then you don't take the light and you go home. Same guy, same light, but he's had a, a, a spiritual transformation. Two o'clock in the morning, cold winter, rainy night, dead tired. His house is right there. He wants to go home. Comes up to the red light. Red light. Green light, I'll go through now. What's the difference between the two? One I'm doing because I'm fear of the consequences. If I get caught, I'm going to get a ticket. The neighbors are going to come out. And I debate back and forth, back and forth, shoulda, shouldn't. And the other one is I've been transformed. I don't break the law. It's a red light, and I wait. I can't wait to get home, but I wait. There is no, well, if I do this, that's going to come back and bite me like karma. I put this out there, I'm going to get bit in the No, it's just I've been transformed. <coughs> I just don't do that anymore. And sometimes in that debate, the voice will go, we don't do that. Be still. And a lot of us will talk about those moments where we where were held up. I had a talk with God. Good time to check in. Hey, God, thanks for this long day where I was able to put a 10-hour day in. I went to a meeting. I socialized with some friends. I work with a newcomer. I'm still going home, and I'm still sober. Thank you for a full day. My body's tired. But man, oh, man, I'm not drunk. Green light. Okay, I'll go through now. It's a completely different way of operating along the lines of God consciousness. 
And what do we do when a thunderbolt hits? Loss of a loved one, a breakup in a relationship, loss of a job. What do I do when I walk through that? How am I doing? Because I, I can, we can be, it's easy to be grateful for a banquet. How am I grateful when it isn't so good, when external conditions don't look so good? I'm struggling, I'm trying, I just can't get in and get this job. I, I'm unemployed and I'm trying, I'm walking the pavement, I'm, I'm hitting it hard, but I, I just can't lock into something. How am I doing? Well, yeah, we're gonna feel sad. You know, so if you break your leg, I'm sad, I'm in pain. Okay, we got that. I'm not going to deny what you feel, but how am I embracing that? What am I doing about it? Am I going to three weeks later, yeah, I broke my arm, or I'm still out of work, and I'm still living in the day I got let go? Or, hey, I'm out of work, I need a job, I'm looking for work, and that's all I'm doing. I'm looking for work. I don't like it. It's struggling. It's difficult. I get all of that, but I'm chopping wood and carrying water and relying upon God. This is 11-step work. One of the first disciplines that, that people stop doing, that some of us stop doing in the 11-step, even though we'll go to a podium and give a tremendous talk about how God-like we are, but we don't follow instructions. First thing in the 11-step that we don't do, we stop doing is the nightly review. I can't tell you how many folks call me and we talk where they call me and they say, look, I'm struggling and um, I don't know what's going on with me. And the first thing I ask them is, do you have a sponsor? And they go like this, uh, that means no. Right. And then I say, well, what's your 11, where are you with amends? Usually I have a ton of amends left, not always, but usually. And I say, what, tell me about 10, 11. What do you do at step 11? You write inventory? Write inventory. You write 11 step. Never heard of that before. Okay, we're not doing that. How's meditation? Well, I meditate, um, I probably meditated about a week ago, so you're not meditating. What's prayer? A lot of folks pray. Only in the morning, not at night. Well, what happened to the night? We, we, that's ours. We're in charge of the night. <clears throat> a lot of us got married at, because we're in charge of the night, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, well, I'm tired and I worked all day and I, you know, I get into bed and fall asleep. If, if God was your crack dealer, you'd be up. If God was your bartender, you wouldn't go to sleep. You'd be there to get served. If God was your Vicodin dealer, you wouldn't sleep. You'd make sure you're up. This power is breathing light, breathing his breath into me, because we are the breath. You want to know how you feel, God? God's breathing through you and for you. There's your God. Well, I can, I can go hit the altar, and I can, I, can, I can pray and meditate tonight. But these are the things that we stop doing. The first one starts with nightly review, and we're wondering why we're just not feeling connected. We're not in that rhythm. Just something not right. I got a lot of traffic in my head, not feeling connected. I'm going to meetings, but just something is missing. And listen to those talks. Listen to folks talk about their experience with Step 11, their current, our current experience with Step 11. As a group con the group conscious, usually uh, we have to be awake and informed, but listen to how the group is operating, the, group, uh, the, the spirit of the group. That's where I'm going. The spirit of the group. If you have a group of 40 people and no one's in 11, you have problems in that group. 
And you can be as awake, you can be as informed with the traditions and concepts as you, as you claim to be. You can know them upside down and sideways. If that group is not working in the spiritual realm, that group is sick. It's a group now driven by ego and better than-ism. I just invented that word. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Well, we just started a big book meeting because we don't like those other groups and we're going to go line by line and show these people what to do because we're, we're great. Why, are you doing, why not go to the sick groups with your big book, catch a little heat, and look for one or two? Just share a little. Don't pontificate. Don't get on a throne. Just when it goes around the room, raise your hand and say, I have a different experience in getting well. And just plant the seed and then go home. No, I need the, I need the spotlight because I'm God. We got an 11-step problem, don't we? I'm God now. How can I find God when I'm, when I'm playing God? So I can start a group. I started one in Union, New Jersey, and I get why some of us start groups. I get it, and I don't want to discount that. But what's my motive behind starting a group? Why not go into the trenches with God, catch a little heat? Can't be preaching to the choir all the time, guys. Right? We got to go to the sick and suffering so they can get well. We don't go into a doctor's office because I feel absolutely great. I'm feeling absolutely wonderful. I'm tip-top shape. I think I'll pay my doctor a visit. We go for checkups or when we're sick, and a doctor sees those who are sick. <coughs> so what do we do? Let's go where they're sick. Let's really be messengers of God. What if my teachers, what if my sponsors were only hanging around with only big book people? I would have never heard them. Because us, and I'm just going to get on the soapbox. I love my book. I don't worship my book. I worship my God. And I love being around big bookers. Speak the same language in a sense. But I got to go into the trenches once in a while too. Where folks are deaf, dumb, and blind. Because they came to me. Because I was deaf, dumb, and blind when I got here. But what if my teachers just stayed with those big book special meetings somewhere else? Because we can do that in AA with our big book. You can get my big book, and you don't have one, and away with you. I've seen it, man. I've seen it. I've seen it, I've seen it at big book conferences. And so many comments at conferences are those other people. We're connected to them, like it or not. We need to go teach them rather than assassinating them. Because then we become a cult. <clears throat> it's about wellness. So I started with this two minute and five minutes and eight minutes uh, meditation, and I got into a piece where in, uh, my, I started to evolve in this work where I got into reading the 24-hour day book and the daily reflections book and uh, Upper Room and this and that. And I had all these books. In the morning, I would read a page out of everything. And if I left the house and forgot one book, I had to go back and read the page. <laughs> You know, it was like just ridiculous. Uh, meditation for men. Um, uh, meditation if you're from Brooklyn, New York. <clears throat> it was cartoons. <laughs> All these things, right? And, um, um, and I became attached to the methodology. If I go into a restaurant, fine restaurant, or a local diner, they give you a menu, and I see all the things they got. Wow, this is fabulous. 
And I put the menu down, and I go home. I go home hungry. But I look at the menu. I say, wow, this stuff is fabulous. I think I will order this. And then I eat, and I say, what a great time, and my belly's full. I can look at this book all I want, and I can analyze and critique and all that stuff. I need to hit my knees, need to make prayer, need to sit in posture, work with meditation, and the night before, I need to have been written inventory, pray and meditate to start my day, because the 12 and 12 talks about how we can have the emotional hangover the next day if I'm not working on my spiritual condition the day before. Today's uh, solutions become tomorrow's problems if I'm not spiritually fit. So it's interesting, I can never figure out why to go from night to day in the big book, but now I know why. When we close up the day, what am I doing to wrap up that day as I drift into the morning? Because I can wake up in the morning. You ever wake up with a head full? Because you're tossed and turned all night. Oh my God, I can't wait for, I can't take it anymore. And you wake up with a headache and your neck hurts. And it's 8 o'clock in the morning, you're ready to kill people. Because they had me all night long. Those people who are in your car when you leave here, they're in the car, by the way. <laughs> Three days of this big book stuff? Are you for real? Get a life. That's what they're going to tell you. And they're going to tuck you in tonight. And they're going to talk to the night. And they're going to wake you up in the morning. We'll wake up with the head on sideways. Or I get home tonight, spend time with my family. I'll do a little inventory reflection on a day. Answer the questions in a book. Get my, get my time with God. Some prayer, some stillness. Maybe call a drunk and then go have fun. Chances are tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. I did what I was supposed to do. I didn't go to bed with any loose things. And I'm waking up free this morning. And then the day will come at you. The day comes at us sometimes. How do I walk through the day? And our book gives us some instructions on what to do during the day. Where I landed is I don't read anything. I just started picking up a, a book outside of AA recently, and I read it really early in the morning after my prayer meditation. I usually have it with a cup of coffee, and I read a few pages. And when I say read, I have a marker out, and I'm, I'm marking up. I just got into this book. Um, pretty neat little book. Um, but I don't read during the practice of prayer meditation. I haven't touched anything in the morning. It's been that way for a while because I'm working with posture and breath and I work with something called I am statements or intent. I've been doing this forever. Um, and I sit with, and that's all I do. I work with uh, 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 Lord's Prayer, Third Step, Seventh Step Prayer, Serenity Prayer. This thing called uh, intent, it's just something I work with and I go into meditation. Now there was a time I got attached to how long I'm going to be in meditation. Because that was popular a while ago. We were outdoing each other. It was a matter of oh, meditation. Oh, I'm 45 minutes every day. You don't meditate 45 minutes. No, you don't. Now, you're a train wreck. If you were meditating 45 minutes, you would sound a lot better. But it became a competitive thing. Oh, one hour a day at least I'm in meditation. I, you were walking out of a massage parlor yesterday. What are you meditating on, you know? Uh, there's an effect produced by meditation. There's effect produced by God and prayer. Stillness. Moment, present moment awareness. Right? So uh, that became a thing, and, and everyone was trying to outdo each other, and, we, and I got attached to this 20-minute number. I have to meditate 20 minutes no matter what. 
Right. And the, the desire to do it was great, but I got attached to that. And there was a friend of mine who tells a great story. He was in meditation, and he's in his basement, and he hears his wife calling him up as he's sitting in posture and, and breath in meditation. And she calls him the first time. She calls him the third, second time. She calls him the third time, and he yells back to her, God damn it, don't you know I'm meditating? <laughs> and he knew at that moment something's very wrong. It was self-absorption is what it was. And so I even lost attachment to that, and I'm totally okay with it, because if God wants me in meditation for 10 minutes, it'll be 10. If he wants me in for an hour and a half, it'll be an hour and a half, and it will not be an effort, 10 minutes or an hour and a half. My job is to suit up and show up and be open and willing to go do it, and that's what I do. And some of my meditations in the morning are 10 minutes, and some of them are much, much longer. But I'm up really early. I'm up at like 5. And I don't have to be at work till like 8.39, so I have all this time in the morning, and I love it. The mornings are sacred to me. There's nothing on. I don't flip on a TV, just one light. I have my altar, my mat, my AA stuff, my gifts some of you guys have given me, uh, things of my higher power and some spiritual teachers. It's all set up. And I go to that mat because there's an energy at the place we meditate and pray regularly. Have a spot that you go to. It's your spot. It's your prayer place. And I created this little spot in the corner of my bedroom. And if you have someone that you're connected to, a, 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 a spouse, a, a lover, a friend that you guys live together and they're in this deal, pray together. Work the 11 step together. It doesn't have to be regular all the time, but it's okay to pray with your significant other's most powerful thing. Let's pray. Let's start our day off together. Not every day. If you do it, great. Let's go to our services together. Let, let's meditate together. Sometimes it doesn't work, and that's okay. Am I doing it? So I have a place that I create as an energy. You will feel an energy there. It's an invitation. God is saying, come to me. And he prepares a banquet every morning and every evening. And what I got into a few years ago was when I start to let go of the amount of time I had to spend in meditation, suddenly I was spending more time in meditation and it was freeing. I've heard people say we, these people meditate to escape reality. We meditate to experience the only reality that is. It's God. The rest of the planet is bizarre land. I mean, watch CNN News. The planet's bizarre. I'm not, I'm not getting involved with that. First of all, when I fight, you win. I meet the resistance with no resistance. I resist. I, I don't have to even resist what's going on. I just back away to get into a fight with you. Meet resistance with no resistance. Stillness. It'll take the steam out of your fight. Now, if someone comes into my house and they're armed, I'm calling 911. If someone's going to harm my family, I'm going to lay down my life for my loved ones. That's just common sense. If someone comes into my house, I dial 911. I don't say acceptance of you robbing my house. You can, by the way. I don't care. I can give you my coat. I will give you my jewelry. I will give you the keys to my car. Because I'm not attached to any of that stuff. You can. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that really depends on where we are on this journey. If he wants my coat, I'll give him my coat. I'll give him my whole wardrobe. 
If, can, I, can I walk through my day with all the noise that goes on and be still in a day of noise? I'm in the treatment center business. It's insane. Every client has got every problem in the world, and it's a sense of urgency to get new shoelaces for my sneakers. They broke my sneakers. I'm going to drink if I don't get if I don't get laces. Oh my God! I got to call my mother. I need money. It's, it's like that constantly. And you got people detoxing, and you got drama. You got breakups and relay. It goes on and on and on. How do I approach that? Right. Imagine getting caught up in that. So how did I walk through my day? So I was getting attached to the time, and I backed off the time, and I spent more time in meditation. It got freeing. And all I do now, currently, for a long time now, is just work with prayers, and I go into meditation and sit. And where that has evolved to, and not just the morning and the evening, I think I shared this on Friday or yesterday, it's been this, this three-a-day routine. Now, you don't have to do that. It's just where I've been moved to do. And I work with these, these, this, 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 something from my religious community, and I say these prayers, and I, and, and I go into to meditation. And I take a God break during the day. Now, obviously, I'm busy all day yesterday doing this, so I wait till I get back to my room, and I did it last night. And I did it early this morning along with my prayer because I'm doing this and then off to an airport. But if I'm home Monday through Sunday, if I'm home at some point in the middle of the day, I will work with this practice and I give more attention to this God. It's a religious practice, the God break, it's a meditation. And that's how I do it. I lock my office door, get my car, go down to go down to the cove and um, right by this little boat area and I'll park on the side or go down by the water or go into a supermarket parking lot. I don't care. Lock my door, and I work with my beads, and I make some prayer and meditation, and I go back to work or come out of my office and do it again. And that's just the way I've been moved. I didn't plan. That's the way I've been moved, and some of us get moved to different directions. I've also explored lots of different influences, too, from non-denominational churches to different religions to different practices, and it's all wonderful. Has blown me completely open, and now I'm home. But I still work with those other influences. They've enhanced the whole experience. This experience should be enhanced as we move forward. Right? So what do I do during my day? On awaking, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. I consider my plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. Why? So we, we get divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. See, it's still there. 4, 10, and 11, very similar questions. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brain, brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong modes. The first time they talk about this. Prior to the 11th step, dump the mind. Don't think, just follow directions. Now we get to the 11th step and we get to use the mind. I'm no longer hostage to a mind. The mind makes <clears throat> a wonderful servant, but a terrible master, I was told. And it isn't until we get out of the way that we can get to use it. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. We ask God for inspiration. There's that sixth sense. Okay, Father, what do I do? What do I, what do, I do about this? Sometimes do nothing. More gets accomplished. 
We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after I tried this for a while. And sometimes we're going to make some mistakes, which they're about to tell us. We may think what God's talking to us and we might fall short. We might do the wrong thing. But the, the thing here was my willingness to listen. Seek counsel. We usually conclude the period of meditation with the prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. Skip down. It says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. My sponsor had me practice pause, work with the word pause, pause. Pause can be a beat. Any, anyone, knows, anyone actors out here, you know, and in, in when you're doing dialogue, they call it a beat. Wait a beat before you give your next line back. A pause. So we may have to wait a few beats before we take action. The pause can be a few beats or it can be a day. Pause. Just wait. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just, just let's get centered again. Okay, God, what do I do? I'm not getting anything from God. Sponsor, what do I do? Go left. Okay. Now I'm off and running again. It's about seeking counsel. All my, all my teachers have always sought counsel from their teachers. Right? We constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. I'm in much, much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. It says we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in a simple way we've just outlined. This process will discipline me. God will discipline me. So my process of meditation, back to that. It's really important we, we talk about this because a lot, a lot of these workshops do that. We'll kick the book around, but meditation we don't even discuss, nor do we discuss prayer, nor do we discuss 11-step nightly review. Right? So let's, let's just spend a minute on it. What Do we have a posture? We know what to work with. So just if you, can, if you can sit in a chair when you're home, lose the sneakers, lose the shoes, lose the tie, be comfortable. And if you're right-handed, all you have to do is just put your right hand right by your navel and your left hand on top of it. If you're left-handed, put your left hand down, your right hand on top of it, right near your navel, because right below it is something called a chakra, which is energy. And you just sit with that. Drop the shoulders. Sit comfortable. You don't have to tilt your head down. You don't have to tilt your head all the way up. Your head, God made us perfect, will just drop. Not like you're sleeping all the way down. There's a natural tendency for your neck just to drop below. That's where you need to be. Spine somewhat straight so energy can flow up and down. Not crunched over. Not legs crossed. You don't meditate like this or like this. Just be still. Drop the shoulders. You will notice as you close your eyes that most of us are walking around with our shoulders up by our earlobes. You know why? The world has got me. I'm tight. Oh, my God. No wonder why my neck hurts. We should be just kind of like this. Oh. And we take some breathe, breathe, uh, breaths in and out. Count the breaths. Breathing in one, I know I'm alive. Breathing out two, I know I'm alive. Breathing in one, breathing out two. Simple technique to be focused on the number and the breath that I'm not thinking. And if I do start thinking about something, that's okay. But bring it back to one, two. One, two. I got to go to work. I got to take the kids. I got to make dinner. Okay, good. One, two. One. And this is how we start. Some of us can sit in a lotus position. We have mats, but some of us can just sit in a chair, breathing in and breathing out. 
set yourself on a timer for two or three minutes. And you say, all I did was think so much. Okay, but in doing you succeed. You did meditation. Tonight we'll do it again. Tomorrow we'll do it again. And then it becomes a rhythm. You don't need a timer. How could I go on with my day without meditating, without prayer, without inventory? How do I do that? So what does God do? God can read the heart. God can read the soul. God knows when we're sick and we're suffering. God knows when we're weeping. God knows when we're joyful. God knows about the riddles in my life that I don't have an answer to and the things that hurt. And I turn back and I say, Father, what do I do? And I've asked questions in meditation. I've taken passages of books into meditation and asked questions in meditation and then sat and wait. And some riddles in my life, specifically with my mom, have been answered. The impact and the power that I've gotten through meditation flipped me around, brought me to another dimension of existence. Right? I clear away today, clear away today at night with my 11-step review. I get all my inventories and call my sponsor on Wednesday and give it to them all. Sometimes we'll talk about one or two inventories. Sometimes we'll talk about AA Big Book. Sometimes we'll talk about scripture. Sometimes we'll just talk. Sometimes we'll get to all the inventory, sometimes just one or two, but I suit up and show up like a student because we always want to keep a beginner's mind ever an expert's mind. Don't ever want to be an expert. A beginner's mind, open, like a sponge. Even if I sponsor 30 people and I do this 30 weekends a year, student, even when I teach, I'm a student. I teach. God puts me here. In a sense, I don't mean like I'm better than or I have all the answers. But in a sense, I'm facilitating, sharing my experience and hope to you and perhaps provoked a few thoughts, maybe steered some people the car in a different direction. But I come here as a student because in the teaching, I learn. Even from the sick and suffering, I'm still a student with you too. I have more answers. I have more experience than you, but I still approach you as a student. Because once I become the teacher 24-7, it means I cannot be taught anymore. That's a scary place to be. And that's why one of the, I'll let you in on some, one of the reasons why I've always been, uh, always been with a sponsor and always told my sponsor, I give you full spiritual consent to rip the covers off the ball. Just put me in my place when I need to. Just give, go at it. Is because when you do this a lot, this can be lonely. Who do I talk to? I need someone who's not impressed with this. I need someone who does this. Who can say, Pete, you're full of baloney in this inventory. You need to do more work. And it's time for you to go through the steps. Or say, like my sponsor said, so tell me about step 11. How are you doing step 11? Just off the cuff, just checking on me. Rather than your PDM who did the big book workshop, I can't, I can't, I can't confront you on something. You can get that. So I've always had a sponsor, a bulldog, whether they were delicate with me or, or, or not. Bulldogs, mad dogs with the book to go right in because I embrace that. Because I, I love, I got to tell you, I love being a student. I love my Wednesday phone calls because I'm I like a student showing up to my teacher's office. Okay, teach me. It's a great thing. It's a great freedom in that. But if the ego's in charge, what can you teach me? Nothing. 
So my 11-step practice has been in, indeed miraculous for me, and um, um, I've had experiences coming out of that with candles and my mom and her passing and uh, experiences with my family. Um, and, and every once in a while, you'll have this God moment. And I just want to close with this to new people. In chapter two Agnostics, it says, I wish I can believe as that man believes. I wish I can believe as that woman believes. How do you get there with one day sober, two days sober, a week sober, a month sober, a year sober, 10 years, 20, 30 years sober, chopping wood, carrying water, and then you'll get to a podium and someone's gonna say, but how did you get there? And you'll tell them one day sober. We start little by slowly. And then one day we wake up and we stand in the presence of God saying, how did this happen? Oh my God, I'm teaching people. I'm sharing my experience about this power called God. I am my big book. It's who I be now. My beingness is, is, is a direct reflection of what God has for me. I'm a direct reflection. I mirror God. You mirror God. I don't mean literally, but in spirit. When we start working with steps 10 and 11, incredible things will happen to this journey. Right? So I'm very grateful for the 11-step practice and uh, getting able to pass it on. But when it's uh, start, start now. And if you're around here 20 years, you haven't done anything, start now. We chop wood and carry water, and we will get to a place, and it says sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, when God shows up, God shows up, and your life is changed forever. And we can't deny that power which already exists. You can't, we can't create God, but we can be aligned with it. Can't deny God, because it's always present, but we can be aligned with it. I've tried not being aligned with it. I know what that feels like. And we can do that in AA too. We're on our way to a monastery last night, and I was sharing with someone. I have a younger brother uh, who's a civilian and, um, and has done the Al-Anon coda and therapy to heal his wounds. And um, right off the bat, he was very attracted to what was happening to me in my life. And our book says we, sure, we are sure it's it, this book has its advantages for all. And he found this way of life very appealing. And one day I turned him on to inventory. And he thought it was the coolest thing. And he started writing inventory. He would talk to me about it. And he would bring it into his therapist's office. And um, he got into prayer. He became a big person who meditates. And he reads a lot of the inspirational books I've studied and work with. And he has this, this connection. And he's a civilian. He, ha he loves what we do in AA. Now, that didn't happen because I said to him, you need to read this book, you should try meditate. I didn't say anything, I just did this. I just did what I do. What you're doing, speak so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. Just be. We'll know. They will know. Reflection of that power, which we call God, and when we're there, there's no drinking. Drink supper. The bedevilments are gone, and we get to stand free. And then we really want to go to shout it from the rooftops about the new guy who's in the lobby by the bar right now is wondering what's going on here, should I go in or not? And he'll see you walk out, and he'll approach you at your home group, in the public store, wherever, 
go shout it from the rooftops. Let's not apologize for God, huh? Um, great to see some of you guys, Eric and Mike, Tom, surprise, Jeff, you've been great. Morris in the back, and uh, just a bunch of you guys. I love coming out to the Midwest. I'm a Brooklyn boy. He's been to Iowa about six or seven times. Nebraska about six or seven times. Go figure. Uh, it's a great life. That's all I got, guys. Peace. <laughs>